listening to the My Pet Podcast, the show for pet lovers of Australia and around the world. Proudly brought to you by Australia's trusted online pet supply store, Vet and Pet Direct. Hi, you're listening to the My Pet Podcast. I'm Aria, and as always, I'm joined by our resident vet, Dr. Glenn. Hello. How are you? I am well. That's wonderful. Um, before we get started, this is just general advice um, for advice specific to you and your dog's needs. Have a chat to your vet. Sounds good. So today we're going to talk about heat stroke in dogs. Bad news. Bad news. Mm. Yeah. I I hate summer. I really hate the heat. Um, so my doggies are like they live a life of luxury in the aircon with me. Yeah. So it's actually not something I know a lot about. It's the best place for them probably, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I have experienced a little bit of the heat stroke in, yeah, it's bad. with dogs in, at work and it was not not fun for them. No. Um, so what what actually is heat stroke? Like how do you define it as what is heat stroke or what's just a hot doggy? Yep. Um, I mean, hypothermia heat stroke is when the body temperature gets to the level where it starts to cause um, temporary sometimes that, but can become permanent damage and, and potentially life-threatening. Um, mm. to the dog so dogs run hotter than people do so if you put your hand on your dog's tummy it usually feels warm um, and that's because their body temperature 38 degrees a little bit higher than the normal human temperature mm-hmm. um, sort of over 39 and a half degrees dogs start to certainly get hot um, yeah. and over 40 degrees potentially um, big troubles over 42 degrees you're looking at organ system damage um, mm. and 43 yeah really bad um, and, yeah. and it can happen really quickly and that's the, the yeah. um, one of the main problems with it is um, some pets are more prone than others um, but it happens you know within minutes a dog can overheat oh gosh yeah. okay what so what are the, the risk factors for it like what dogs are at risk and and also like what temperature ranges are at risk yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly, I mean, the main risk factor is obviously hot conditions. Yeah. Um, but heat and humidity, um, and the interaction between those has got a big, um, a big um, place basically, yeah. because dogs can only cool down essentially by panting. So just evaporation of um, air, um, making moisture evaporate on their tongues and a yep. little bit around the gums and the mucous membranes. But yeah. it's pretty much that air moving rapidly over the tongue. That's how dogs cool down. So yeah. you've got to have enough um, evaporative potential. So humidity, the higher humidity, the less um, water evaporates yeah. basically. So um, it can be relatively um, less hot, but if it's really humid, as in the dew point, like when it's really, really muggy, you just get less evaporation basically. Yeah. So, you know, it can be 28 degrees, 100% humidity. If the dog exercises and builds up a lot of internal heat um, quite quickly, yeah, you can cook a dog at 28, 30 degrees potentially, whereas if it's 40 degrees and really dry, they've got more of an ability to cool themselves down yeah. unless they've got a problem with actually moving air, which becomes a big risk factor problem. Yeah. Um, and puppies certainly have problems moving air and panting effectively. Yeah. Um, overweight dogs um, have just got crappier airways because they've got soft tissue everywhere um, and that doesn't help. Um, older dogs non-specifically um, have troubles with moving enough air because their lungs sometimes seem to be a bit less compliant mm-hmm. um, and older dogs um, more likely to be fat potentially mm-hmm. um, but more likely to get conditions like laryngeal paralysis um, where their back of their throat um, nerves don't work properly. Okay. Um, so that's a risk factor. Um, and look, realistically, the main um, breed associated or type of dog, brachycephalics, um, short-nosed, yeah. um, cute dogs that everyone likes 
on yeah. Instagram, um, <laughs> but they've got major problems with um, not being able to move enough air over their tongues. They've got short muzzles. Um, they've got long tongues, but the tongues out of the mouth after time and, and not in their flow. Um, right. And, and they've also got more likely to have um, soft palate problems. Yeah. Um, so the actual movement of that air doesn't get directed um, over the tongue. It goes into their cheeks and everywhere else other than over the tongue that is where it's needed yeah. to, to create cooling. Yeah. yeah. So that's sort of the main main risk factors. But, I mean, I really counsel people that it, it, it takes very, you know, small amounts of time. I mean, obviously the dogs in a hot car um, situation is, is terrible and, and, yes, cars heat up really quickly, but I've seen dogs overheat like with two minutes literally of ball chasing on a really humid morning. It's six o'clock, six o'clock in the morning in yeah. Brisbane here. Um, like it can be, you know, 28 degrees on a muggy morning, 100% humidity, dog chases a ball, exercise really quickly for a couple of minutes and that's yeah. enough to tip them into this cycle of um, not being able to cool themselves down properly. Yeah. yeah. It's easy to check the humidity as well. Like most weather apps on, your, on people's phones will have it. And so, yeah, like people might check the temperature before they go out, yeah. but, yeah, it's easy enough to check the humidity as well. If people are aware of it, then they can do that. Yeah, it's a really, really big factor. Um, so what – Symptoms, people like what happens? Yep. What does it look like? Um, initially, I mean, they just look like a hot dog. I mean, we all know that dogs pant um, when they're hot, um, and that is how it looks. But is it if they got mustard or tomato sauce or both, or a little <laughs> bit of sauerkraut? I love sauerkraut and a hot dog. Yeah, is it sorry? Um, <laughs> is it um, controlled panting or sort of uncontrolled panting? Like dogs, the hotter they get, the more distressed that mm-hmm. panting becomes, and. And they actually get to the stage where the panting becomes less efficient. Um, and um, if it's rapid panting, um, usually they produce more saliva and yeah, attempt to, like to cool drooling. down, so like increasing drooling. Yeah. Um, if the panting goes to the stage where they're really not coping with the heat, they can go to actually a slower, deeper pant. Okay. And that is even worse because they're shifting less air and, and they just go further. But the problem with one of the problems with panting is there's lots of effort goes into panting. So if you see a dog that is hot, like it takes a lot of muscle activity yeah. to pant, and particularly like heavy set dogs, like um, staffies and you know bulldogs and you know highly muscled dogs, the amount of energy or heat they actually generate through panting can nearly be this vicious cycle of making them hotter oh, still yeah. um, once they get in trouble of not being able to shift enough air. So just the amount of activity that their body makes yeah. that, that goes bad yeah um it, depending on how uh, what's the time frame they're overheating i mean certainly um nausea and, and vomiting happens and, mm-hmm. and sometimes diarrhea so if you've got a longer term overheating problem um and if they're drooling enough um and panting enough trying to shift enough air dehydration comes into play mm-hmm. um so that becomes a problem but if their body temperature gets high enough you start to look at uh, neurological problems so they actually get swelling of the brain um, they start to have little muscle tremors so it goes from panting and and um, breathing faster to involuntary muscle tremors which can become seizures loss of consciousness death yeah. um, you know and that can happen you know within 10 15 minutes yeah um, if, it, if it's hot enough what are the red flags that you need to go to the vet because it sounds like this is something that could be a real emergency. Yeah, look, I mean, to me, if you've got that um, rapid, uncontrolled breathing, you know, for more than a couple of minutes, and it's definitely if there's any wobbliness or neurological symptoms, absolutely. Um, but I would still get your dog checked out if you think they've got really hot and couldn't control their 
temperature for more than a couple of minutes because unfortunately, um, I mean, they can recover from getting really hot, as in um, it's usually they haven't had a fatal dose um, if they can come back down by themselves. Mm-hmm. But if you've got to intervene and actively cool your dog down, which we'll go into, mm-hmm. um, the damage could have been done mm-hmm. um, where this cascade of effects happens, like if their organs have got hot enough and their, their blood's got hot enough, they can start clotting blood in the bloodstream and, and getting DIC, which is where their um, clotting factors all go out of whack and they start internally hemorrhaging and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, so if your dog's got really hot to where it you know can't stand, um, is immobile, but then recovers, I would still definitely take that dog to the vet as soon as possible yeah. um, because um, it really needs hospitalisation and probably intravenous fluids and um, bloods to monitor yeah. those clotting factors because I've had you know, lots of dogs, unfortunately, have gone through a overheating cycle have appeared to have recovered and back to being you know, a bit quiet, um, but then they start pooping blood and vomiting blood an hour or two later and dying. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's get into treatment. Like what do we do once once we've got some overheating? What can we do to cool them down? Yeah. So, I mean, at home, um, you know, what the owner can do is essentially, you know, inducing cooling so um, not sticking them in the freezer um, okay but don't stick dog <laughs> in freezer uh, i mean cooling them actively um, and that's you know cool running water yeah. um putting cold towels on them you can feel those towels heat up in about 30 seconds yes. and it's not actually actively cooling them anymore yeah. um definitely fans definitely air conditioning preferably air conditioning in the fan um I mean, if we are cooling dogs down, once you get their temperature down to 39.5 degrees, you stop actively cooling them after that. Yeah. Um, but really it's it's moving water, um, moving air. Yeah. Um, if they're still fully conscious, yes, you can offer them cool water yeah. um, to, to drink, not too much, just like a little bit frequently, um, and that can help to internally cool them. Yeah. Um, you don't want to give them icy cold water probably, and they're probably not going to drink icy cold water anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just cool water to drink but really active cooling on the outside. Um, You can use, uh, like, ice um, to cool them but not directly on their skin Mm -hmm. Um, and it would be like a a cool brick wrapped in a cold towel um, or a wet towel but you just got to make sure you're not burning skin. Yeah. Yeah, as in cold burning skin. So same as, like, when you're icing a sprained ankle kind of thing. Basically, yeah. Um, And in the places where they cool most actively, so armpits and groins and and, and feet. Um, They talk about rubbing alcohol, um, like, to actively evaporate and and cool feet. And, and yes, that works, but, you know, water's probably more effective probably. Yeah, like just a hose and... Yeah. Yeah. Yep, and or, um, yeah, depending on the size of the dog in the, you know, wash basin or or bathtub sort of thing. But there's no point putting them in just cool, stagnant or or still water um, because, again, they're going to heat up that water around them very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously um, if they're losing consciousness, never any water around their face and that sort of thing um, because they're already in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. And what does treatment look like in, in a clinic? Uh, in a clinic, I mean, all those things to get their temperature back into normal territory, um, but also, yeah, intravenous fluid support. Um, I mean, I've done occasional, you know, cold water enemas and that sort of thing to try and um, drop body temperatures as soon as possible, but that's, um, yeah, your vet's going to be doing that. You're not going to be doing that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, 
fluid support, um, electrolyte support, um, organ system function, like checking, okay, have we done damage currently? Have we done um, muscle and organ system damage over time? Yeah. Um, because, you know, if you've cooked kidneys and livers and that sort of thing, you can have troubles up a couple of days later yeah. um, from those. And those blood clotting factors are important as well. So they get very complicated once that starts happening yeah. and you're giving plasma transfusions and, yeah. and clotting factors and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's where um, prevention is certainly better than Absolutely. Cure, so, you, yeah, if you've got to treat them, they can get complicated. Yeah. 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 Um, I, yeah. Like I said, I've only really experienced it over one week in a clinic because I do most of my small animal stuff in cold, rural Victoria. Yeah. But I do, I just remember having dog after dog come in to be put on IV fluids, which was difficult because yeah. they're and very you can't overhydrate them because they're might have brain swelling at the same time, yeah. so sometimes you're giving diuretics to try and trick their brain at the same time as rehydrate them, and yeah, it gets complicated. Yeah, and cool environments, and all of a sudden a hot weather event. I mean, they do adapt to their environment. So I mean, you know, the first hot um, spell of spring, um, if dogs aren't used to it, I mean, that's sort of particular sort of risk factor of mm. if the dogs aren't used to the heat, um, they probably don't modify their behaviour enough, but they're the tolerance actually does increase to heat to some extent over time as well. So, yeah, yeah if you've got a, an out of um, the normal weather system coming through, they're even more likely to overheat. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's talk about prevention because that's the best way. Prevention's better yeah. than a cure, as yeah. the old saying goes. Um, so there's, um, what, are the, what are the best preventative measures do you think? I mean, just being mindful of the temperature and humidity yeah. for a start. I mean, just trying to avoid the situation where your dog gets hot, obviously. Um, so, I mean, that might be choosing not to exercise your dog, you know, when it's hot and humid um, or either of the above um, and being mindful of that sort of things. If you are going to exercise them, well, their level of activity, I mean, going for a calm, casual walk versus chasing a ball for five minutes, yeah, you know, that makes a big difference um, depending on your pet. Uh, I mean, I, I'm an advocate and I do it with my dogs, if it's hot, um, I mean, certainly always have some water with you. Yes. Um, and little claps will bowl or whatever system you want to work to, okay, you can give your dog water frequently throughout um, the walk or throughout yeah. the exercise, and that can certainly help. But having enough water where you can, you know, I think it's a good idea to wet your dog before you start. Yeah. Um, so they're already wet on the outside because, again, dogs only pant to cool down. Yeah. But if they've got water on their hair and on their skin um, while they're starting to move well that's having a cooling effect from the start so it's probably delaying heat build up yeah. rather, rather than having to cool them off at the end yes um, and you still cool them off at the end as well yeah. um, but you know that preemptive stuff to me makes a lot of sense yeah yeah i have a collapsible water bowl with me like all the time i've yeah. got one in the car and i've got one that i keep in my bag and it's just the handiest thing. Yeah. I love it. Um, and, I mean, to me, okay, you know, if you're going on walks and that's thing, well, it's more of a controlled environment. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's plenty of people who have got you know, outside dogs. Um, obviously, you know, shade and available cool water yeah. um, is really important at home because, you know, you, you not, may not be taking your dog for a walk while you're at work, but your dog might be... Chasing the postie or running up with the dog next door or whatever. So it doesn't mean that they're not potentially exercising and increasing their heat load. Um, and they could, you know, potentially get into trouble while you're not there. So doing, um, you know, environmental care as much as you can with, I mean, basically that's, um, a nice, um, cool environment that's as shady as possible if they're outside. I mean, 
air conditioning is always cooler, cooler than outside in the heat if that's um if that's possible um you know things like cooling mats and that sort of thing having those available um and again you don't want to confine a dog onto a very cold potentially frozen you know yeah. towel or ice blocks or whatever but if you've got that available to them and they choose okay this is a nice cool spot yes that that can help yeah. to cool them down we also sell little cooling fans that you can clip onto a crate. Yep. I think that's a really cool yep, idea. Anything that moves air can help. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then there's also um, a few different cooling vests and, and things. So there's a couple of cooling vests that you can, like, put water on yep. and then put it on the dog. Yep. Um, and there's also one that Roughwear have that you can attach to the harness. Yep, just an add-on. Yeah, which is really cool. Yep. And they're, I mean, not so much for... It preventive, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's trying to stop your dog getting hot in the first place. That's yes. probably not going to be the first thing you use if your dog's already overheating. Um, yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're trying to stop it and, and making your pets walk more comfortable and less likely to cause troubles. Yeah. 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 Um, so what about clipping long-haired dogs? Because that can be a bit controversial. <laughs> absolutely. And I don't even know what, like, I, yeah. And, and it is hard because you see all sorts of conflicting information. Yeah. And I don't think there's any real consensus on the subject um, because you hear about and various breed associations talk about double-coated yeah. dogs and, and, and it's more insulating and, and that's the way they're supposed to be. I mean, if you've got a double-coated long-haired dog that's designed to be in the Swiss Alps or in yeah. Alaska and toe sleds and that sort of thing, um, yes, their coat is insulative, but, I mean, remember the dog's internal temperature is 38 degrees um so if the temperature is more than 38 degrees okay you might be keeping out 40 degree heat but the dog's also got to be able to cool itself down as well um i mean dogs do only pant as their main method of getting rid of heat um i mean they do radiate a little bit of heat which a heavy coat stops that um i mean to me they conduct heat quite well as well as Mm. far as like if they're lying on we all know about the dogs that lie on cool concrete or cool tiles or dig a hole in the moist dirt and yeah. bugger up your garden. But that's the, cool, that. that's the cool spot to lie. Um, so if you are adverse to giving your dog a full body clip, I mean clipping its belly and underneath its okay. you know, trunk and legs, I mean to me that makes sense because then it can lie on stuff and conduct heat away. Yeah. Um, if you want to give your dog a summer clip, I've certainly got no troubles with it. I think I think it's beneficial. Um some dogs with double coats, they might look a bit funny when they grow their hair back um, and it comes to as a slightly different colour and, yeah. and, um, and they look a bit weird. Um, but that's totally up to you. I mean, I'm not pushing people either way. But yeah. I think if you – I think there's benefit to clipping, basically. Yeah. Um, and obviously you don't want to clip them to nude if they've got pink skin because yes. they can get sunburned. Um, but, you know, going fairly short um, is still – to me it's got to be a lot cooler because yeah. they can radiate – heat yeah um, and, and more so conduct heat yeah yeah so if i decide to give my dog sage a clip and he's mad at me because he looks silly i'll send him to you blame me that's yeah. fine i'll be like you go talk to dr glenn <laughs> he he said it was okay <laughs> as long as it's a dinosaur clip where you, it's sort of like the lion clip but you oh. leave the little bits on the along the spine and oh, i don't the, think he's quite fluffy enough for that yeah, give it a go yeah, but I'll give it a go. I kind of have always wanted to you give it a go. You could always try a clip. next year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's um that's been very helpful. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's definitely something to look out for, and there's lots that you can do to prevent it. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that, um, you know, people know how to prevent it, then, you know, it's not going to be such a big thing because it can be very deadly. Stay cool. Yeah, stay cool.
Wiggles hands. Thanks, guys.